The following program is underwritten in part by Viagen Pets, the leading provider of animal genetic preservation and cloning services. Preserve the genes of your dog or cat to extend the special bond you share with them. Get your free information kit and special offer for animal radio listeners at www.viagenpets.com. That's V-I-A-G-E-N-Pets.com. Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Well, welcome, my friend. Here is the number. Write it down, one 405 8405 It's a free call to ask any question about your dog or your cat. And you can also do that from the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. And uh, in the show today, another big show for you, a guy who's started a brand new business called Rapid Paws. He's out of D.C., and it's like a limousine service or a Zuber. A Zuber for pets. Should we say for pets? Okay. Cool. And we'll find, and I think it's a fresh business, so we'll find out how he's doing. Also, Doc Halligan from the Lucy Pet Foundation with Flea Talk here on Animal Radio. If you're having flea problems, uh, listen up. I'm going to ask her if there's some kind of solution besides those very abrasive topical spot-ons because i'm always afraid to put those on my animal and it is of course right yeah it's a big it's a big flea season so of course not there in las vegas you you don't even have fleas there do you you know we get excited when we see fleas we actually put them in (laughs) test tubes and like show them to everyone we're like look this patient has fleas (laughs) and it is it's it's a great fun in the hospital is it just because it's so hot there yeah, it's so dry. So our climate um, outdoors, really, it just it's too brutal for the uh, flea eggs to actually survive. Now, we do have pets that actually come from nearby states. Ah. Like a lot of folks travel to California with their pets. They'll come back and they'll have a flea infestation. Um, and oftentimes tapeworms along with that as well because those are linked together. Um, but, yeah, so that's, that's how we tend to see them here. What about other cities like uh, Phoenix that are dry? Uh, is Phoenix a big flea city or do they? Not really, no, no. Um, but, you know, interestingly enough, heartworm disease is, um, it's a disease, you know, carried by mosquitoes uh-huh. and mosquitoes that carry heartworm disease are pretty much everywhere. And every 50, every one of the 50 continental states really has heartworm disease. And uh, so that's something even in a dry environment, you can still have that. So a lot of people are mistaken uh, to believe that. Okay. Good to know. Good information. Uh, Doc Halligan will be around the corner. If you want to talk to Dr. Debbie White right now and ask her your questions about uh, your pets, one 405 8405 Just after that, we're going to go do a quick check of the news with Miss Lori Brooks. What are you working on for this hour? Well, okay. Picture yourself. If you were outside, you know, walking your dog and you saw someone else walking their dog who wasn't walking, who was actually driving and had their big chubby arm hanging out the window, hanging onto their dog's leash while the dog is cruising along outside. I've seen car. this. I've oh, seen this in my crazy. own neighborhood. What these yep, people are too damn lazy. Taking, yeah. Yep, and people are taking videos of it now and turning it over to animal control authorities and also the police are getting some of that. So we will tell you what police are saying and what you need to do in order to make sure that this is taken care of. I correctly. bet the police are ticked off and I bet they're arresting people left and right, right? Uh, you're going to have to wait. Okay, we'll find out <laughs> in just a minute right here on Animal Radio. Let's go to the phones for your calls. Hey, Kevin, how are you doing? Ah, doing great today. How about yourself? Very good. Where are you calling from? Tyler, Texas. Tyler, Texas. How can we help you, Tyler, Texas? Well, I've got a little, we've got a, 
We've got a menagerie of animals at our house and have for years, about 11 dogs and six cats. Wow. Holy cow, you got a house full yeah. there. Yeah, we, uh, we live out in the country, so it's all <laughs> legal, legal. But uh, we've had this little terrier mix in the family for over 12 years. And uh, she has got a chronic nasal discharge, and it's bloody. And has had for about six weeks. We've had her on antibiotics. We've been working with our, our vet. We've had her on antibiotics, uh, even started her on thyroid to help clotting, he was saying. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we've been giving her a little Benadryl with the vet's permission to try to dry her up a little bit. But okay. she just snorts and, and coughs and, and just has a terrible time with this. Oh, also removed her front two teeth because of abscesses. Oh, okay. And... Uh, Teeth had gotten bad, and she's older, and uh, we figured she had an abscess, and that's why we pulled those teeth. Uh, okay. Haven't been able to get a handle on this thing. And when they pulled the teeth, did that seem to change the discharge in any way, or no? Not really. Okay. So I'm assuming if they've done all that, they probably also looked at doing some basic lab work? Uh, yes. Uh, they've done some basic uh, We even uh, lavaged her nose out with a catheter, and took mm-hmm. some cells and sent them down to Texas A&M, and they were, they were not neoplastic, uh, no, no cancer. Okay. Um, but I was curious, is, do, do dogs tend to develop polyps like people? Mm-hmm. Sure can, yeah. And, and actually, what, what you're describing with this bloody discharge, we call that basically epistaxis. It's the fancy word for a bloody nose. Um, and in an older dog, I'd have to say that some of the things, it sounds like your veterinarian's done a, a pretty thorough job of kind of working things up and getting the most likely things eliminated. Um, in an older pet with a bloody nose and all those other things that have been kind of checked out, I have to be honest that, that cancer is still pretty high on the top of my list. And uh, sometimes we can't always tell um, unless we go up there with a scope, look up in the nose, and take a little bit higher or deeper biopsy. So that would still be a big concern. But a lot of times we can definitely see dental um, infections causing a bloody nose, um, and especially because some of those teeth have really deep roots up there, and um, that could certainly you know, potentially cause a pet to have a bloody nose. And then I'd say probably the next next thing we see a lot is where a dog might have a foxtail or a piece of grass that's worked its way up into the nasal cavity. Um, and that's where, you know, flushing it out sounds like that's what they, maybe we're hoping to attempt um, if that was there. But ultimately, we might get to where we have to get, get that um, endoscopy or the scoping um, up the nose to really figure that one out. Um, okay. And you said you're in Texas there, huh? Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, because another thing we think of in certain parts of the country, and um, you know, perhaps they've checked for it. If not, I would ask about fungal infections as a potential right. cause of um, the nasal problem. Um, there's different types of funguses, believe it or not, in the soil all over the country, and they're different in different parts of the country. Um, out by us, we have one called valley fever, coccidiomycosis, um, in the right. desert southwest. It's fairly common, and that can potentially cause some problems. So um, there's some blood tests for fungal uh, uh, organisms that you can have done, um, but otherwise, a lot of this really falls to getting a good look up the nose and going up there without that little scope to see what we can find. Um, and and I think some of the therapies they've tried are reasonable: antibiotics, antihistamines, um, the thyroid medication can help if we're worried about a bleeding disorder. So all of those things sound like they're right along the right line. But I, I 
I'd really be worried about something a little bit more involved than that at this point. Okay. Well, I appreciate it. Okay. Well, give your baby a hug for us, Kevin, and hope that helps things out. 1-866-405-8405 one 405 to talk to any one of the Dream Team right now. This portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by World's Best Cat Litter. Listen up, you cat people. You know who you are. I'm one, too. It's just litter until you realize those big boxes usually mean big smells, big messes, big money. Here's what I did. I made the switch to World's Best Cat Litter with concentrated power. 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 That sounds scary. It's not that scary. It won't scare your cats. If you want to learn more, visit TryWorldsBest.com. And thank you so much, World's Best, for underwriting this portion of Animal Radio. Hi, Liz. Hi. You wanted to talk to Dr. Debbie? Well, I have a German Shepherd who has um, a degenerative myopathy. And okay. people keep telling me when it's time for her to be put to sleep, she's going to let me know. Because she's still acting like a puppy. She's still acting like she's the boss. She's eating. She just falls a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, like she'll fall down my steps. Oh well, dear. We have a bi level, so we have no step. I mean, we have no way to get in and out of the house besides going up and down the steps. I mean, okay. she's gonna like fall, she just sort of this Bambi thing down the steps. Okay. Where her back feet kind of, kind of collapse under her. She's not falling yeah. down and tumbling down large amounts of stairs. That's what I was concerned about. Oh, uh, no. No. Okay. No, we All have right. it worked out. We have a rug at the bottom of the steps to catch her so that she doesn't do the bambi thing when she gets to the bottom of the steps. We have a rug by her food dish so she doesn't, you know, she doesn't slide. But my dilemma is when should I put her to sleep? Yeah. And I guess the biggest problem with degenerative myelopathy, which basically this condition is a progressive deterioration of the coating along the spinal cord. So when that happens, dogs lose their function to their back legs. They can get wobbly, kind of crossing over with the back feet. They'll even scuffle their back feet and wear their toenails down. So that progresses to the point where they lose more and more control with the back legs. Now, eventually can progress up to the front legs as well. Um, but for most pets, the disability with the back legs is really where that is um, the biggest problem and when we first diagnose that. The good thing is that it's not painful, um, other than the secondary things that they do to themselves, um, dragging the top surfaces of the feet, um, getting pressure sores, um, things like that that we have to deal with. Now, I will tell you that... Um, one great thing in managing dogs with degenerative myelopathy is the benefit of physical therapy. Now, there is no cure for this condition, but we know that physical therapy can help give us more meaningful time, and it keeps them more ambulatory, keeps them moving on those limbs in a meaningful way for a longer period of time. And there are some studies that have looked at this, and dogs in intense physical therapy can survive periods of time over 255 days of good quality time. Some with no therapy it can be as short as 55 days. So that's kind of the scope of the time frame we'd be looking at. And if physical therapy is something you can work with your local veterinarians or specialty groups, that might be something to do. But your question, basically, how do you know? And, and will she tell you? Gosh, in all my years, I don't feel that with this condition, the dogs really tell us, meaning that they accept that they're at that point. Um, they're not in right. a lot of pain. Right, and she seems to be a little, a little depressed, but not, not enough that she still isn't bossing. I have two other dogs. She's still bossing them around, and you know mm-hmm. what I mean. 
Yeah, and, and that's the the thing. It is a disability, so it becomes more when we can't get up to do the bathroom needs, when we have secondary infections or pressure sores or things that are complicating their life. So, no, I don't feel that she's going to tell you when it's time when her quality of life, getting around is limited, or when she is at a point where she may jeopardize her own safety, falling downstairs, that is where that the quality of life really becomes down. So, yeah. um, so I, I think that basically that she's not at that point yet. For over a decade, Viagen has been the leading provider of genetic preservation and cloning services of prized livestock with thousands of satisfied clients. Now announcing Viagen Pets, providing genetic preservation and cloning services to pet parents. Consider preserving the genes of your pet to extend the special bond you share with them. Get your free information kit and special offer for animal radio listeners at www.viagenpets.com. That's V-I-A-G-E-N-Pets.com. Did you know canine caviar diets are formulated with common health concerns in mind, such as diabetes, cancer, and kidney disease? You see, canine caviar uses low GI carbs, which reduce hunger and prolong physical endurance. Free of GMO, gluten, hormones, steroids, and antibiotics, Canine Caviar's five-star dog and cat foods are the only alkaline-based foods in the world, and that promotes a healthy lifestyle for your furry family. Find out more at CanineCaviar.com. Hi, this is Carrie Annie from Dance with the Stars. Don't forget to stay new to your animals, and you're listening to Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. It's Animal Radio celebrating the connection with our pets. Come celebrate with us. Grab your pet. Bring them around the radio. Bring your phone, too. Just in case you have a question about your pet, you can call 1-866-405-8405. On the other end of that phone, Dr. Debbie answering your vet medical questions, and dog father Joey Volani with your grooming questions. And uh, speaking of Joey Volani, hey, Joey, what do you got on the show today? Well, we're going to be talking about today, we're going to be talking about aromatherapy products and aromatherapy shampoo, and let's figure out, you know, if they work or if they don't work. So that's what we're going to be talking about later. Really? Judy, I know I know. in your office you have a candle often burning, or it's, it's not a candle, it's like oil. It's, it's the a, oil, the heated, yeah, the heated. Is that aromatherapy? Thing? Yeah, I think it's considered. Yeah, it makes me calm. It makes my office smell nice. Sometimes I'll just, and you don't know this when you're not there, I'll just go in there and sit in there and just relax. Just it's it's one of those smells. My office. Yeah. What is that? Lavender oil or what is that? Yeah. Plus, it covers up some of the pet smells. (laughs) It's it's a nice peaceful place in there. Oh, thank you. I thought about getting one of those little water fountains, but then I thought, you know, I'd spend most of the time in the bathroom with the trickling water. Yeah, would just make you want to go. Yeah, I don't know if that would work. Yeah. Uh, so does the aromatherapy work on your animals? We'll find out with Joey Villani in just a few minutes. Lori Brooks in the newsroom with Mr. Gordy. What are you guys working on? Well, there's a new kind of pet that's about to explode in the pet retailing market. Um, when I say Mexican curly hair, maybe a dog, right? Or a Guyana pink toe or an ivory ornamental. That kind of sounds like flowers. But this new pet that you're going to be seeing in one of these major retail pet stores soon is is nothing like a dog or a flower. In fact, I don't even think it's pretty. Mm. Exploding <laughs> animal. <laughs> really? Well, that's on the way with Lori Brooks. What do you say we go to the phones for your calls right now? 
And now it is Lucy's turn. Hey, Lucy, how are you doing? Uh, this is Mr. How are you doing today, sir? Very. Well, please don't call me, sir. That's my daddy. Where are you calling from, Lucy? Austin, Texas. Austin, Texas. I love Austin, Texas. Beautiful place you've got there. Now you got me talking in a southern draw. What's with that? I don't know. What's going on with your animals? i got rumor Joey Villani here and Dr. Debbie here for you. Okay. I have a question for the doctor. Um, I have a, he's a poodle and pork snaver, and he's got like a lump on his stomach. Is that, is, what would cause that? Tell me uh, where it's located on his stomach. Is it on his, kind of his chest area, on his underbelly? Yes, yes ma'am, it's on his chest area. Okay. So where the lump is, is the hair still growing normally, like in the area around yes, it? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am, okay. it sure is. Okay. And how does it feel if you kind of squeeze it, you know, like squeezing the Charmin? <laughs> what does it feel like? <laughs> it's kind of soft. You know, okay. it's not mm-hmm. Okay. And, and how big is it? Would you say like a quarter size, a dime? I change a quarter size, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, in that location, um, there's certainly a, a wide variety of different things that can pop up, but one of the more common types of tumors is actually going to be a fatty tumor or what we'd call a lipoma. And they okay. tend to be um, tumors that, you know, just kind of crop up usually on the lower half of a dog's um, chest or abdomen. The kind of the easiest way to check for that is to have your vet do a needle sampling of that um, where, where they just stick a syringe and needle in there, collect some cells, and, um, you know, send some slides out to look at that. And uh, okay. if it just comes back looking like fat cells, then the chances are it's mm, probably a fatty tumor. We don't act like it bothers him or anything, you know. I just sit there and touch it. And it don't bother him. I mean, he don't, I mean, he hasn't squeaked or nothing, you know. Yeah, and you know what, the interesting thing is with most actual tumors, and we use tumors as a word to describe lumps, so a lump is a tumor because it's abnormal. So um, whether it's a bad kind of cancer or something, say, maybe like a benign cyst, it's very rare that a dog is going to complain if you squeeze it or touch it. So I never really use that criteria when I'm worried about trying to decide if something, if a dog has cancer. It just doesn't help us. What it can help us determine is sometimes abscesses or infections. If you squeeze an area that's got that going on, you know, a pet may react. So, so I would say, you know, doesn't help us a whole lot. It's good that he's not painful, but, um, it doesn't, knock anything off my diagnostic list and that's where i think taking that needle biopsy is really it's a fairly inexpensive test that um, can be done without any anesthesia doesn't have to you know be a major commitment you do but it can give you and your veterinarian some better information on where this is going to go and what kind of thing you might need to do because not every fatty tumor needs to be messed with Um, some dogs especially labradors are a breed um, as well as a uh, Doberman pinchers. We see tons of fatty tumors on these dogs as they get older, and you know there's a point where it's just not always realistic to remove them. I do think that that would be you know one of the best things that you can do to feel better about the situation. And if it is a fatty tumor, you know some some folks will just say let's watch and wait. And that's my hope. That that'd be what I'd hope your baby has there. So you're, in other words, you're saying to take them into the vet and have it checked out then. Just to be on the safe side, because there can be okay. some other types of actual cancer, some bad things that come up in that area. But, um, you know, and it's hard. I can't see your dog's lump and feel it myself. I'm kind of going off what you're saying, but that would be right. what I would hope and what the odds are in that location there. I appreciate your time and help.
Thank you so much, Lucy, for your call. Calling from Austin, Texas today. Toll free, 1-866-405-8405. Animal Radio is underwritten in part by Viagen Pets, the leading provider of animal genetic preservation and cloning services. Preserve the genes of your dog or cat to extend the special bond you share with them. Learn more at www.viagenpets.com. That's V-I-A-G-E-N pets.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. Find us at animalradio.com. Log on, learn more. I am the family dog, and it's that time of year again. The one where pet parents start looking for Fido-friendly hotels and destinations where Fido is welcome. Make no bones about it. Pets are part of the family, and we like to sniff out new places, too. And we hate to be turned away, especially when we're on our best behavior. So we won't be left out in the cold. Be sure to pick up a copy of Fido Friendly Magazine to find the best hotels and destinations where Fido is always welcome. Go online to FidoFriendly.com and subscribe today. How fast are Allegra gel caps? I didn't know you got a cat fast. How strong are Allegra gel caps? Ten more logs to go strong. Non-drowsy Allegra gel caps give you noticeable relief of your indoor and outdoor allergies. It starts working in just one hour, two times faster than Claritin's first dose, and stays strong for 24 hours. It's relief when the pollen's off the chart strong, even in the convertible. Allegra gel caps. Nothing's faster, nothing's stronger. Among OTC-branded oral antihistamines. Use only as directed. Visit Allegra.com. People say less is more. At Red Barn, we think less is better. It's what you won't find that sets our natural premium pet food apart. No byproducts, no corn or soy, no fillers. Just the natural ingredients your pets need to live the healthy life they deserve. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Red Barn canned food for cats and dogs is grain and gluten-free. Doctors Foster and Smith Pet Supplies have a Vet VIPPS accredited online pharmacy covering all your pet's needs, from heartworm medications and anti-inflammatories like Remedil to non-prescription items like Canine Advantix Flea and Tick Preventive. Doctors Foster and Smith has your pet covered. We'll even contact your vet for you, all with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Low prices every day with free shipping on orders over $49. Shop online at fosterandsmith.com because your pet's health and happiness come first. This is an Animal Radio News Update, brought to you by Doctors Foster and Smith Pet Pharmacy, with prescription medications and over-the-counter products like Advantix Flea and Tick Medication, delivered right to your door. Learn more at fosterandsmith.com. I'm Lori Brooks. You may not think of big, hairy spiders, and I mean big spiders as pets, but some people do. And now Petco wants their business. Uh, the company has announced it is expanding their tarantula offerings. That's right, to give pet parents the chance to further explore the amazing world of arachnids. The retailer says it is also proud that with this launch of more than 20 different breeds of tarantulas, who knew that all of their tarantulas will be bred in captivity? And they're also saying, you know, they're really pushing this, saying that these unique and fascinating animals are a great addition to any home, offering endless learning opportunities for the whole family. And I just want to mention that Petco, they turned that spider problem up there as they just spun it. 
That's all they did. They just had a big spider problem. <laughs> About tarantulas, did you know, not only do they have eight legs, but they also have a large round eye hmm. that is surrounded by three smaller eyes on each side of its head. And so that's a total of eight eyes. Wow. Those things can see a lot. Yeah. Now, they also shed or molt in order to grow. And so they double their size each time they do that. And the female tarantula can live up to 30 years. That's like having a bird or a tortoise. But the male tarantulas, they have a much shorter lifespan. They only live like maybe seven years, and that's with excellent proper care. And it's pretty interesting. There's a lot of these different breeds, and the names of some of these breeds are are pretty exotic. They will sell the Mexican curly hair, the rear-horned baboon tarantula, the Guyana pink toe tarantula. Now, that's not what you think of often, is it? Um, <laughs> there's the Mozambique golden baboon, the Costa Rican tiger rump, or the ivory ornamental tarantula. It's a living thing. That's not so for me. I, yeah. that, no, that's not yeah, for you. me either. <laughs> a California woman captured video of another woman driving her car. Okay, and while she's driving her car, she's got the window down, and she's walking her dog as she's holding her arm out the window and holding on to the dog's leash. And and she's driving while she's doing this. The woman who took the video did confront the woman in the car saying, you know, hey, why are you walking the dog like that? Don't be so lazy. You know, get out of the car, you know, and and make this a, a thing with your dog, a good thing. And the woman who was doing this said, you know, I'm not dragging the dog. But then the video does show the car begin to speed up at that point after that little confrontation, which forced the dog to run along beside the car in order to avoid being dragged. So this tape was turned over. The director of a local animal services department there in Stockton said, you know, he too found the video pretty distressing and recommended to the police that the woman be charged with animal cruelty. So the police reviewed this video, and they said they did not believe there was any evidence of cruelty, hmm. but the police said the woman in the car would have been charged with distracted driving if she had been seen by a police officer when she was doing it. <laughs> but not a good practice. That's crazy. Yeah, you know what, honestly, if it was a child, if you had your child running alongside your car, would that be child abuse? I mean, there's no difference yeah. here. Only if it's seen. It's like, does a bear poop in the woods? Not if you can't see it. Because if a tree falls, <laughs> do you hear it? Right. Uh, police up in Brighton, Canada, were called out to a home recently. This must have been so crazy. It was, you know, just a routine, regular weeknight, a Tuesday night, I believe. And it turned into something very unusual. It was 8 o'clock at night. Neighbors began reporting to the police that they were hearing what they thought was a domestic dispute. And they were really concerned since they knew that there was a couple living there and this didn't sound right. But when police arrived, they could only find that there was one person inside. It was a man. Police said the neighbors had told them on their calls that they heard a man yelling and saying things like, I hope you die and, and other horrible things. And it turns out that the man who was home alone had been screaming at his pet parrot. The man told police that the parrot was beaking off at him. His words. <laughs> beaking off. <laughs> so uh, you might have guessed that the man had had a little too much to drink, but they said they looked at the parrot and it appeared just fine. 
And that was the end of it. No charges were filed. Wow. Now you have a bird, Joey. <laughs> yes, yes. And, and believe me, there are times where, I mean, I would never say I wish you dead, but there's times that you do want to choke her. Um, birds can be really, really tough, um, you know, especially ones that don't want to shut up when they're talking. But like mine could be very destructive if you're not paying attention. Does so yours you mock have, you? Does it, does... <laughs> no, no, don't, don't, mock, don't mock me Wait, at all. No. But I'll tell you what, how about this? Would you rather your bird mock you or chew the wood molding um, off off the wall um, and then you find out that you have a very expensive um, replacement? Oh, boy. That's what my bird would do. I'm so sorry. That was a that. bird toy for a while. Yes, it yeah. was. Yes. Sorry about that. Anyway, I thought it was pretty funny. Beaking off, something to remember. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Doctors Foster and Smith Pet Pharmacy. With everyday low prices on products like Quellin and Rimadil delivered right to your door with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Learn more at FosterAndSmith.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's Animal Radio. And if you're having a flea problem, in just a few minutes, we're going to talk to Doc Halligan about fleas and ticks. No, just fleas. Just fleas? All of us really suffer from fleas and ticks, and some sometimes our animals do, too. <laughs> and she has uh, techniques to get rid of those fleas for good. We have a cat that does this uh, flea dermatitis. One bite, that's it. The cat breaks out in all kinds of hives and itchiness and scratches. It's bad. Yeah. It gets bad. Yeah, they can can. be allergic to fleas, can't they? Absolutely. That's what it is. They can. And, you know, I'm really afraid of those topicals, those uh, spot-ons that you put on their their neck. So I'm going to ask her if there's some other solution. I want to talk to this guy next who's, uh, he's kind of uh, runs a Zuber. Not an Uber, but a Zuber. He go. He takes animals around the Washington D.C. area that need to be transported from one place to the other. And we welcome from Rapid Pause, Daniel Williams. Hi, Daniel. How are you doing? How are you doing today? Oh, awesome. How How's the weather there in D.C. today? It's been crappy the last couple of days, but in the last couple of hours have been blue skies. I wonder what happened. Well, tell us. You run this limousine service for pets. Is that correct? Am I getting it right? I like that you call it a limousine service. Yeah, it's kind of like that. Well, yeah, I see that you, I see that you named it a Zuber too. That's funny. <laughs> but no, we, uh, I started the company, me and my partner and I, you know, we tried to, man, look out for a lot of people that's in the Washington area. I mean, it's a pet dense area now. So we tried to come up with some ideas, you know, for a business. So I got a dog, you know, he got dogs. We love pets. So we just thought about, man, a lot of people who ain't able to get their pets to the vets and to the groomers. I mean, a lot of people work. I mean, it's a government-based town. So we just try to, man, help out a lot of, man, government and military in this time by giving their convenience of them making it to work back and forth while we can, man, take their pet back and forth to the groomers or to the daycare or to the vet or what have you. Yeah, do you have to take them anywhere else? I mean, do they? Uh, does anybody call up and say, hey, take them down to the park and walk them a little bit? Or, uh, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't got that kind of phone call yet. But the, the weirdest question I had yeah. that was, uh, do I baby talk? Do you baby talk? No, that's a. Why, why are you guys laughing? That That's not it funny. It wasn't weird to me. I guess the guy felt uncomfortable asking me that. Oh. I baby talk my dog all the time. So I guess he felt weird and uncomfortable in asking me that. But when he asked me, we hit it off real good. So did you baby talk for the dog? Yeah. Of course. Damn straight. I have a dog. I have a pit bull. And she's like almost 180 pounds and she's big as a. House, so I had to even baby talk to him sometimes. 
I baby talk to my animals all the time. Do you know what they're thinking? They're thinking, Dad, why are you baby talking to me? That's the silliest thing ever. So, but you know, it's interesting that you say that because baby talking, I got to know my animal a whole lot more than what I, you know, would have probably thought I would have. Do you think they talk in baby talk if they were talking to us? Do you think they talk to us in baby talk? They probably use some strong foul language. Yeah. (laughs) So, how's business going? When did you start the business? April first this year. Okay, so it's brand new, it's fresh, and I I see a picture of your uh, van here. It looks like it's just freshly wrapped. Uh, How's business going? The Washington Post actually gave us some traction. I'm so happy that, you know, that they looked at us and wanted to give us. I do a lot of promote myself. I do the old-fashioned promoting. I actually walk the street and promote. So that's what I've been doing. I've been hitting a lot of local dog parks and stuff that I go to myself. I've been hitting a lot of little downtown areas. And I bumped into a Washington Post guy while I was out doing my promotion. Yeah. And I was like, well, what do you know? Everything happens for a reason. Yeah. Have you thought about Shark Tank? Going on Shark Tank, get a little money, maybe open up some franchises across the country? That's a good idea. I haven't thought that big yet. <laughs> how many vehicles do you have right now? We have two vehicles. And how many people are are, are you working with? Do you, are you doing it all by yourself, or do you got some friends helping? No, just me and my partner right now. Just me and him right now. We're just starting it up. But I guess after we gain some traction or whatever, man, we can get around. Maybe we can hire a couple of folks, but... You know, we're working with some vet techs right now, whatever, man, that, you know, to help us out. Well, you know what? I think your business is fresh. It's brand new. And I think you're going to have some amazing stories to tell yeah. pretty soon. You're, as soon as the first politician's dog gets in the car, I want you to call me up. Let me know. <laughs> Let us know for it. And tell us the story. The first time a flamingo gets in your car. Or a boa constrictor. We want to hear about it, okay? I promise. I've been listening to y'all for the past week, man. I have a great radio show, man. Well, thanks, man. Oh, thank you. We appreciate no it. We'll we'll talk again very soon, okay? Okay, you guys have a good day. There you go. Daniel Williams of Washington DC and his little business. A uh, great idea. I think that's a, he's he's in the right place too. Did you know canine caviar diets are formulated with common health concerns in mind, such as diabetes, cancer, and kidney disease? You see, canine caviar uses low GI carbs, which reduce hunger and prolong physical endurance. Free of GMO, gluten, hormones, steroids, and antibiotics, Canine Caviar's five-star dog and cat foods are the only alkaline-based foods in the world, and that promotes a healthy lifestyle for your furry family. Find out more at CanineCaviar.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. It's Animal Radio. Write that on your unk, if you will. Toll free, 1-866-405-8405. What's an unk, Hal? Don't know where to. I don't know I'll show you where is. your unk is later. Write it down <laughs> wherever you you know where to write it down. We'll go back to the phones for Dr. Debbie and dog father Joey Volani. Well, I have a gripe for you guys. A gripe? Yeah, I I just got to air some, some grievances here. You know, it's kind of like from Seinfeld. It's time to air the grievances. Okay, let's clear the air. So I've been corrected repeatedly by a token client for calling the pet the wrong sex. And I'm usually very good at this. Occasionally I will get it wrong and I will own up to it when I do it wrong. But I didn't. I was like saying, oh, he's so gorgeous. Was it a she? It was a male. And I said he was gorgeous. It was a gorgeous cat. And he took offense to that. What? Well, because you didn't say handsome. I get yes. 
I guess so. And then at another point I had said something else and I said, we'll be doing this now. And I think it was interpreted as he will be doing. And I just was like, oh my gosh, some people have such a chip on their shoulder. Yeah. I was just really shocked. Well, gorgeous, I think really. I mean, if someone said that I was gorgeous, I would say that's, that's a compliment. I would be very flattered. No one's ever said that. But <laughs> hypothetically, if somebody said that. That would be, uh, I don't think that's gender uh, specific, is it? No, I don't think so. I mean, when we're talking about a cat, am I being just the opposite sensitive on this? I mean, if you're seeing a gorgeous, say it's a gorgeous Persian cat, and whether it's male or female, it's an absolutely fine specimen. It is gorgeous. Well, I don't know. Specimen kind of... uh, Well, I wouldn't say that. It (laughs) dehumanizes, yeah. (laughs) Or de-animalizes it. I'm with you, Dr. Debbie. Someone was just having a bad... They were just having a bad day. Yeah, yeah, I, I mean, got up on anyone, the wrong side of the bed. Is anyone else really sensitive about that? Do people call your your pets by the wrong sex, and does that get you all worked up? Am I just insensitive to anything? Like, I'll call pets sweetie or honey, and then I've had people say his name or her name is uh, Jasmine, yeah. and I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. It's I just call it as an affectionate term. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I no, call I'm my clients you. their puppies, you know, sweetie pie and stuff, and they I think they like it. They don't tell you his name is Rufus. Please don't call him Sweetie Pie. No, I think they like the fact that I'm comfortable (laughs) and call him that. Okay. We had a a specialist vet who called Parker. She would just call him she. I mean, but this woman is so highly intelligent. You know, I didn't care. I just wanted her diagnostic information. (laughs) So So she was getting it wrong and you, you were not offended. No. No, what I okay. do see, what I do see is if you don't know what sex it is, I do see people say cats are generally female and dogs are male. They'll, they'll say that sometimes. Kids but, say that. Kids how? say it. Yeah. Kids. Uh, here's a secret. In just a few minutes, we're going to have uh, Doc Halligan on talking about fleas. Her dog, Surfing Jack from the Lucy Pet Foundation. Mm-hmm. Jack's a girl. Just thought I'd let surfing that. Jack surfing is a, Jack is a surfing girl. Jackie. So when you think about that, I I wasn't supposed I to wonder, say that. We'll have to ask her. She gets offended. <laughs> You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Hello, Animal Radians. It's Robert Semro, your Pet World Insider, here with this week's Animal Radio List, the five most common and uncommon legal pets. It's May, and that means it's time for more national pet holidays. This time, it's National Pet Month, which is celebrated in May, along with Be Kind to Animals Week, Pet Cancer Awareness, and more wonderful ways to proclaim to the world how much we all really love our pets and care about the issues that impact them. In celebration of National Pet Month, I thought I'd share my personal list of five most common and uncommon pets. For most of us, the most common are probably pretty obvious. Dogs and cats lead the pack when we commonly think of household pets. Cats lead the way in the hearts of many households. It's easy to see why these curious creatures are so beloved. They've taken over the internet, defined a generation of grumpiness, and have the ability to melt a heart with a single stare. Dogs are next, and it probably doesn't surprise anyone since they're man's best friends. They've defined loyalty, adventure, and work faithfully to protect and care for their human guardians. The next three are just as robust, birds, fish, and horses. 
These three are all found in the wild as well as in homes, so there's a lot to love about these wonderful and diverse creatures. And if those are the five most common, here are five that aren't so common but are still gaining ground. Now, I'm not advocating them as pets, and in some states they're illegal to own as pets, so know the laws and your practical capabilities before adopting one. Let's kick it off with capybaras. That's right, related to the guinea pig, these are the world's largest rodent. We've all known someone with a pet rat or mouse. Well, here's the next big thing, literally. Capybaras can grow to four feet in length and weigh more than a hundred pounds. Bonus points, they love to swim. Next up, pygmy goats. Pygmy goats require less work than regular goats and are much more friendly. These aren't the screaming, crying, or fainting goats that are all the rage on the internet, but these compact and friendly goats are becoming increasingly popular. Now, let's talk sugar gliders. Sugar gliders, where legal, are gaining in popularity as pets because they're clean, self-grooming animals who are very playful and ridiculously cute. And my final two are sure to cause a stink and make a point. Yes, skunks are kept by some as pets as they can be taught to use a litter box and even bond at an early age with humans. Finally, hedgehogs. Every list should include a hedgehog. Hedgehogs, in the places that they're legal, are growing in popularity because of their low maintenance needs and being gentle and bonding pets. National Pet Month is a celebration of pets from all species and all around the world. Celebrate your pets, common or uncommon, by being the best pet guardian you can be. Share your pet celebrations and stories on our Animal Radio Facebook page. You're listening to Animal Radio. Find us at AnimalRadio.com. Log on, learn more. America, the Sprint Network is now more reliable than ever. And I'm on a mission to prove it's the fastest. I know there are non-believers out there, so I'm traveling the country betting anyone and everyone that Sprint is faster than their network. And Sprint's winning. I've won gumball machines, wedding cakes, giant teddy bears, anything people were willing to bet because they thought their network could beat Sprint. They thought wrong. The Sprint LTE network is now more reliable than ever. But don't take my word for it. Switch today, save 50% on most Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile rates, and stop overpaying for wireless. Visit a Sprint store or Sprint.com slash network to learn more. Plans not exact match. Offer coverage not available everywhere or for discounted phones. Excludes taxes, surcharges, add-on, and premium content. Subject to new line activation fee and credit, see web for eligible plans. Savings until 2018 after pay full amount. Speed claim based on analysis of average delivered download speeds using Nielsen and MP data. Restrictions apply. Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Welcome, my friend. Bring that pet around the radio. Let's uh, talk pets for another hour or so and answer your questions. Dr. Debbie, as well as Joey Villani here, dog father Joey Villani, answering your pet-related questions. And... Uh, Phones seem to be white hot right now at one eight six six four zero five eight four zero five. Judy is screening them, and uh, she's also informed me that in just a couple of minutes we'll be talking to Doc Halligan with your flea and tick talk, uh, especially fleas today. We're going to find out exactly what are the options for getting rid of fleas. Some of us don't want to use the chemicals on our fleas. No. Uh, let's see. I Laura, don't want to use the chemicals on my pet. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> if it if it removes nail polish, then it's got to be some serious stuff. <laughs> Because I think the only other thing that does that is acetone. 
but we'll find out some solutions. She, she may have some ideas for us. What are you working on over there, Lori? Well, you know, in, in the world of, you know, statistics, things are, you know, big. If, you know, housing sales are up 6% this year, that's huge. New uh-huh. car sales, uh, crime up or down. But listen to this one. The number of new dog parks in the country is up almost 90% wow. in the last nine years. That's incredible. So, yeah, we've got a big movement going here. Lots of fun things happening with dog parks. And we'll tell you, the cities that have the most dog parks per residence that they have living there. Mm. We just got a brand new dog park down the street. I'm thinking the cities with the biggest dog parks, well, obviously Boulder, Colorado, I would think have a lot of dog parks. Uh, L.A., I think, California. Yeah. yeah, you would think, mm-hmm. yep. No? Okay. Well, that's you on would the, think. You would think. We'll find out with Lori Brooks in just a couple of minutes. Let's go to the phones for your calls right now. Hi, Barbara. How are you doing? I'm fine. Where are you today? I'm in Florida. In Florida. Okay. Well, you're on with the doctor. How can we help you? Okay. I have a two-year-old Vishla that has a skin allergy. Um, I have him on all-natural, gluten-free food. Uh, been to the vet. It's not fungal. It's not bacterial. Um, it went away during the winter. It came back just about a month ago. Uh, we don't know whether it's coinciding with the weather, with the chlorine in the pool. Um, I just can't find anything to do for him. The vet pretty much has thrown up her hands. Oh, dear. So have you tried um, other medications? Um, what's, what is, exactly Animax, has been done? Um, Animax. I have him on um, Benadryl. 225 milligram twice a day that keeps it calm but i just okay. hate keeping on giving him that indefinitely and i don't know how long this is going to last it's ang- okay. angry and red looking okay angry. Just, well angry yeah that's one of these descriptive terms and, yes i i use that all the time so yeah that, that connotates that it's really unhappy on that skin so i mean a couple things that there's definitely directions we can go um and it just depends on what approach you're comfortable with because we can treat allergies symptomatically or we can try to get to a little bit more of the root of things um, one of the aspects with any allergy, when we talk about food-related components, um, a gluten-free diet is only limiting certain types of protein. So if that's not seeming to help and control things, then we might even switch that out to other types of um, hypoallergenic diets. And there's some where we'll restrict to a hydrolyzed protein. Um, and that's something that uh, for many dogs with allergies, we'll try a course of that. Um, we may switch things up and try something totally different, like a um, what we call a limited uh, protein diet. So we might have just a couple different ingredients in that and see if the skin signs are better. Um, so I wouldn't say just because you're on gluten-free means that we've eliminated that food allergy possibility. Okay. So that's one thing. The other thing is, um, you know, we have specialists of veterinary types of all sorts. So pretty much anything you can imagine in the human world, there's a veterinary specialty in that. So, and we do have veterinary dermatologists. So if your veterinarian is not comfortable with where things are or thinks that everything has been exhausted, we can refer to a veterinary um, dermatologist. And I would see, if you're interested, I would see about getting your pet tested, um, allergy tested, because there's uh-huh. certain things we can either A, eliminate in the environment, or we can do hyposensitization for pets with allergies. And that's okay. kind of getting to the root of the allergy, if you will. Um, rather than uh-huh. trying Benadryl and medicine to try to control the itch, we try to go to the heart yeah. of it, what's causing it. 
So that would be one thing I'd consider. H- have you thought about that at all? I have. I think um, it just flared up again in the last three weeks, and I mm-hmm. think it must be environmental since it went away all winter and the dog was not in the pool, and there's probably different plants blooming, different things out there right now. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, so yeah. my feeling is it probably isn't food since he was fine all winter long. Yeah, and we can get kind of overlap of food allergies and seasonal allergies. So, you know, it might be worthwhile to see about um, allergy testing, and that can be done with a skin method with a dermatologist where they kind of inject little uh, allergens to the particular skin areas. Um, there's also some food or some blood allergy testing that can be done. It's not necessarily as precise, but it's a good starting point for some folks, so that would be okay. another thing to try. Um, alternatively, if you're not inclined to go towards the testing, um, we might try a, a drug, uh, a cycle type drug, which kind of modulates the immune system, so it kind of helps the signs of allergies, um, but um, it's a little bit different approach than just using either steroids or Benadryl, um, and there's one called Atopica, and, and I use that pretty heavily in my practice, so um, that okay. might be another alternative that you can look at for your little baby there, and okay, see if well, that... Thank you. Yeah, see if that helps take the itch out there, because nobody likes a scratchy dog. And certainly we like to have a quiet, comfy home. This is Dr. Debbie. If you have a question, we are here for you at Animal Radio, 1-866-405-8405. This delicious, healthy serving of Animal Radio is brought to you by the Grain-Free Red Bar Naturals, canned food for dogs and cats, always made in the USA with natural, functional ingredients to support your pet's optimal health. Just like our little Tigger's The Picture of Health. Learn more over at RedBarnInc.com. And thanks, Red Barn, for underwriting Animal Radio. Hey, Bob. How you doing? Good. How you doing? Uh, fat and sassy. Fat and sassy. I'll have to remember that. We'll write that one down. That's good. I like it. Fat and sassy. Where are you fat and sassy from today? Oh, we're in California. In California. Okay. How can we help you? Well, i got a golden retriever. He's about not quite a month and a, or a year and a half, just almost a little under a year and a half. Okay. And he's, a couple times he's had problems with his backside. He, his tail, if you moved it from side to side, it didn't bother him, but if you tried to lift it, it did. And we noticed that he was constipated. Huh, okay. So this happened one time, and evidently he cleared himself up because he came back in the house, and he, he went for two or three days like that, and then he was fine. He come back in, he's as happy as can be, and everything's fine. He did it again for two or three days, just recently, just this last week, and now he's fine again. And I don't know okay. if it's what you know if, if the tail being stiff and you know holding it down, but uh, tucking it between his legs and not moving it, if that's got something to do with the constipation or not. Well, yeah, it certainly can, and anything that kind of goes on in the whole hindquarter area can definitely affect the the carriage of the tail, or basically how well that they hold it up and wag it and and uh, show off the especially a golden retriever those gorgeous uh, feathers that they have. Oh, yeah. um, so, you know, when he was constipated, were you con- were you pretty comfortable that you saw hard to pass poops, or was he having diarrhea? Or no, tell me about the poop story. Try, he was having a hard time passing it. And then when it came out, it was dry and oversized? Well, my son said it was okay. I mean, he's, he's 24, so you got to know. I mean, he uh, I wasn't home. He called me and said, you know, he finally went to the bathroom. And, and it looked, I asked him if it looked good or you know, what it looked like. He said, well, it, looked, it looked like poop. Okay. Because typically, if I expect a pet to be constipated, 
you know, let's get serious about describing poop here on the air. Um, we're looking for, you know, constipated poop is usually dry, hard to pass, oversized. If we're not seeing that corresponding with when he was having troubles, it could be something else causing pain. So it may not necessarily be a constipation issue. So if we got pretty good confirmation and, you, you know, your son should know, everyone knows crap to some degree. <laughs> but yeah. if you're comfortable that he's described that and said, yeah, yeah, dad, you know, this is really some unusual looking poop. It's dry. It's, it looked like, you know, he was having a hard time passing it. If not, then uh, we'd definitely go looking for other things. And uh, now, does your dog do much swimming? No, not not right now. Okay. He plays in the mud uh, and everything. He, he's happy now. I mean, he ate good during the whole time. He just didn't get rid of it. And uh, uh-huh. he walked funny and he'd go out and he'd try to go and he'd strain and everything. He just couldn't do anything. Yeah, in, in that inconsistent, the occasional trouble going to the bathroom, it's certainly possible, you know, that, you know, he acquired something that was more interesting than the typical dog food and that could cause some havoc going through. And then I'd want to make sure that we're feeding just a consistent diet and we're not switching things up, giving him table scraps or, you know, any kind of bones. Even a dog that, say, gets, um, rawhide chews. Nothing necessarily wrong with that. But we can see a pattern of inconsistent poops for many dogs that have uh, that ingest rawhides it can cause the diarrhea and then it can kind of look like they're having trouble passing the, the subsequent poops so he, i would he say eats, uh, uh he eats tree limbs he eats tree limbs and twigs ah, ah all right all he's fascinated with him he comes in there like toothpicks with him he comes in two <laughs> up on the floor oh gotta stop that i think he's a woodpecker yeah <laughs> <laughs> Well, definitely. I mean, as far as a lot of these guys, they look for stuff to chew. And, you know, if he is ingesting things like that, um, tree limbs, uh, you know, your neighbor's uh, shrubs, what have you, then that definitely that can create some havoc going through. So you might want to work. My, my prescription for you might be to really super monitor his uh, intake and his output over a period of a week to two weeks. And during that time, watch him closely, make sure he doesn't have access to some of these different behaviors of chewing, and see what those poops are looking like. If everything's going good and we're comfortable that he's not getting into other things, then we may be comfortable to say, ah, that occasional problem is likely to eat in that bow off that tree or, um, you know, chewing something in the yard. Um, but, yeah, definitely, I, I make light of it. But, you know, we don't want uh, to encourage that kind of chewing behavior because it just sets up for whole sets of digestive problems and foreign objects and all that wonderful stuff. Well, thanks for your call today, one 405 8405 You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at one 405 8405 Hey, this is Paula Pounce. Wait, I forget where I am. Animal Radio. Animal Radio. I love that. Hey, hey this is Paula Pounce on Animal Radio. Spay and neuter your pets or we're going to be eating alive. Animal Radio, baby. How fast are Allegra gel caps? I didn't know you got a cat fast. How strong are Allegra gel caps? Ten more logs to go strong. Non-drowsy Allegra gel caps give you noticeable relief of your indoor and outdoor allergies. It starts working in just one hour, two times faster than Claritin's first dose, and stays strong for 24 hours. It's relief when the pollen's off the charts strong, even in the convertible. Allegra gel caps. Nothing's faster, nothing's stronger. Among OTC-branded oral antihistamines. Use only as directed. Visit Allegra.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. <laughs> We're lucky. The 
don't take it for granted. We get to take our animals to work with us. That is one of the best benefits ever, by the way. The other benefit, of course, is having Dr. Debbie here. So if we ever have any problems with our animals, uh, just like you, we can ask her. We don't have to call the uh, toll-free number because it would be just ridiculous. Just uh, throw that, that, that paper ball at me and just, hey, Look over here. I got a question for you. I have. Listen, yeah, I know you have yeah. questions about ladybug. But no, 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 different questions. Oh, well, you have different questions. Yeah, this might help our listeners. Okay, okay, sure. Why not? Can I? Is it on the script anywhere? No. Well, go ahead. <laughs> I've got a question about uh, insulin. Insulin. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I my elderly neighbor's dog was just diagnosed diabetic, and she has to give it insulin shots twice a day. Okay. And she is physically handicapped with her hands. The owner. The owner is. Okay. So it's very difficult for her to draw the exact amount into the needle, into the syringe. It's a tough deal to do that. Yeah, because it's a small amount, and she just can't do it with her hands. She doesn't have all her fingers and stuff. to do that, yeah. Yeah, so it's very difficult. So what I did is she had all the needles, and I filled up. You know, like six or seven, so she had a couple days where she could just grab the needle and just give it the injection. And mm-hmm. we keep the the v- full vial of the insulin in the refrigerator. Well, we I took the needles and we put them in the refrigerator. So you and just moved it from one. Yeah, I moved it from uh, the vial into actually a syringe. Okay. So she had ready okay. syringes to go. And I was worried about the efficacy. Does that diminish it being pulled out of the glass bottle and put into a syringe for days, or is it well, still as potent? There would be a couple concerns I would have. Um, one would certainly to be that um, just making sure you're not drying up too much just for sterility's sake. Um, uh, because, you know, once you've drawn that up and put that in that syringe, you've actually removed it from that sterile container. So um, as long as you're only doing, you know, for a short period at a time, I don't see a problem with that. The other thing is that as with a lot of insulins, it can kind of settle out in um, formulation. So mm-hmm. it would be very important if you, if you do have an insulin it does that that you make sure that you instruct her to agitate the needle beforehand okay. so you know kind of like just doing this thing yeah roll it yeah yeah we're supposed roll to roll it mm-hmm. yeah yeah and that, that's the problem that you know with okay. insulin you want to be kind to it but once you already have it drawn up and it's in the syringe you don't necessarily have to roll it rolling is just so you don't put bubbles in the um the bottle and then you don't draw up a lot of excessive air but once you've got it in that syringe you've just got to get that kind of almost shaken up if you will because we don't want that settling out into the back part of the syringe Um, some insulins aren't you know the type that will settle out like that but this one does the vet said to Mm -hmm. roll the bottle before you draw it to make sure that it's all mixed up okay i noticed since a lot more animals are obese and fat and big are you seeing more incidents of uh, diabetes than you've ever seen before Oh my gosh, yeah, absolutely. And all, not just diabetes, but, you know, any of the obesity, um, prone diseases. So we see a lot more arthritis problems where pets actually need to be on medication because of excess weight. Um, and then, you know, the diabetes, um, we see problems with pancreatitis, which is another, um, you know, pancreas driven problem. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of things that, um, if you maintain your pet in good, healthy body weight, you could really, you know, keep them around longer, but also save money at the vet, which is, I think, what should motivate most people to really try to keep um, the cost down. Does diabetes in cats and dogs, does that lead to kidney problems like it can in humans? 
It can, yeah. So we, we can sometimes see kidney disease. Um, and then there are some pets that actually will go on to have pancreatitis because um, the inflammation in the organ can also lead to uh, abnormalities down the road with um, that part of uh, the pancreas as well. Um, I'd say we see a lot of urinary tract infections in pets that have diabetes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, even just things like bad hair coat and muscle um, loss. So there's a lot of other things that kind of tag along with diabetes. And of course, you know, in dogs, you know, cataracts, huge association with diabetes. And just about almost every diabetic dog is likely to go on to develop cataracts. So, um, but they are, you can have them removed surgically and they do really, really well with that. Is that the same Um, with cats? Um, we don't see it quite as often, um, in the diabetic cats. It can happen, but really in dogs, it's a high incidence. I know that bad teeth can hurt their organs. Can bad teeth, you know, bad dental, can that cause diabetes? I don't know that there's a clear association with that. Um, so I, I, I couldn't say, but yeah, um, bacteria from the dental products have been shown to cause, um, heart problems, uh, kidney problems, and, and in some cases, even things like liver disorder. So, um, anything where we have a showering of bacteria, um, through the blood system, you know, that's when, you know, we're going to see problems secondary to the dental problems. Well, since we're talking about diabetes, what would we look for if, you know, how would we know if our pet has diabetes? Well, that's a great question, Lori. That's awesome because <laughs> a lot of people, a lot of people kind of miss those early signs of diabetes, especially in cats because we kind of blow it off. Um, but drinking a lot of water, um, urinating a lot. So for a cat owner, that means are you scooping big, huge piles of uh, pee out of the litter box? Or are you filling that bowl up for your dog or cat excessively? Are they hanging their head over the bowl like some cats will do where they don't want to leave it? Um, those are some of the first things. But we will end up seeing weight loss. Um, and with more advanced diabetes, we'll see vomiting, uh, becoming dehydrated and very um, severely ill if they become in what we call um, diabetic ketoacidosis. So that's that's a life-threatening situation. So we want pet owners to pick up those those early symptoms, um, you know, well before that. If you have a question for Dr. Debbie, the toll-free number is one 405 In fact, we're going to go to the phones in just a second. First, we're going to find out what's coming up in the news with Miss Lori Brooks. Well, we're talking about, you know, people being pet owners and stuff. There is a whole new generation of pet owners, the millennials. And, man, you can see them just kind of pushing the animals as family. Animals are life. They are our children. Uh, you can see them just really moving that movement along. And we'll give you some of the latest statistics that are really kind of interesting. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Doctors Foster and Smith Pet Supplies have a vet VIPPS accredited online pharmacy covering all your pet's needs from heartworm medications and anti-inflammatories like Remedil to non-prescription items like canine Advantix flea and tick preventive. Doctors Foster and Smith has your pet covered. We'll even contact your vet for you, all with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Low prices every day with free shipping on orders over $49. Shop online at fosterandsmith.com because your pet's health and happiness come first. This is an Animal Radio News Update, brought to you by Doctors Foster and Smith Pet Pharmacy with prescription medications and over-the-counter products like Advantix Flea and Tick Medication delivered right to your door. Learn more at fosterandsmith.com. I'm Lori Brooks. Uh, how old are you? 
I'm not being nosy. I just want to know that there is a story here that we're going to do that is targeted towards millennials. As pet owners, there's a new report out about this. Now, millennials are between the ages of 18 and 35 years old right now. So either, you know, you might be a millennial yourself or mom and dad, you might have a child who is in that age group. And this will give you a little more clue into what these people are all about. Apparently, millennials take their roles as pet parents very, very seriously. They say millennial pet owners demonstrate an overwhelming urge to pamper their pets, according to new research that is out in this report titled Millennials as Pet Market Consumers. So they studied all kinds of things. If you need a gift idea for a millennial, well, consider that both dog and cat owners in the age group are much more likely than all other pet owners to buy toys and fashion accessories for their pets. And those pets are usually under 25 pounds because they want a smaller pet that they can pick up and carry and take with them everywhere they go. In short, uh, compared to other pet owners who are over the the age of 35, the report says millennials are more likely to be, you know, kind of anxious even about the health and safety of their pets. They're kind of all consumed with them. They're also more inclined to pamper and coddle and uh, use technology to keep an eye on them when they're away from home. Now, think about this. Does this sound like pets play the role of a maybe, you know, substituting for a child for millennials? It does, doesn't it? And, and apparently they do. They say the vast majority of them, 71% of these between, these people between the ages of 18 and 35 agree that having a pet is a great way to get ready for having a family. By the way, around 30% of millennial dog and cat owners also prepare themselves home cooked meals for their pets and they are much more likely than older other pet owners to use raw pet food, organic pet food, natural and even non-GMO pet foods for their furry family members. I love that. That's going in a good direction. Uh-huh. Well, yet the world of pets is is definitely changing, exploding. We you know, we talk about it every week all of the new things that are happening and new trends going on. Well, off-leash dog parks lead the pack in the types of new urban parks that are being built, growing by 4% last year and 89% explosion has happened in dog parks since 2007. That, according to the Trust for Public Lands, most recent data on the nation's 100 biggest city park systems all across the country. Now, nearly every big city now does have at least one dedicated dog park. And a lot of their names are really kind of cool, at least creative. Like in Fort Worth, the pups there play at Fort Wolf. Uh, pets in Memphis... They play at Overton Bark. Uh, Dallas dogs have their own My Best Friends Park, you know, and Atlanta dogs have their own Freedom Barkway. It's fun to see governments having a good time with this. <laughs> the 2016 City Parks Fast Report compiles data about parks in the biggest 100 cities in the country. And when it comes to the number of dog parks, the cities that score the highest on a per-resident basis are, number one, Henderson, Nevada. Wow. Followed by Portland, Oregon, Norfolk, Virginia, then Las Vegas, which is, of course, also Nevada, and Madison, Wisconsin. Dr. Debbie, your town seems to be leading the pack there in dog parks. Well, I think that's awesome. We do have, I mean, heck, we have one just a few blocks away from my office. So, I mean, they really are just about on every corner. <laughs> but what, California didn't make the list? The top five? Mm-mm. Wow. Mm. 
Well, Mars Pet Care, the U.S.'s uh, world's largest even pet care company, has announced the results of a survey that they did exploring how pets have invaded pop culture. They are everywhere now, even becoming megastars in their own right, you know, all thanks to the power of social media. The survey shows we are indeed pretty pet obsessed, and we're loving it. About 65% of pet owners post about their pets an average of two times a week, I, I think that's pretty low <laughs> because <laughs> we all post about our pets. I think more than that. But more than half of pet owners polled care more about getting likes or comments for their pet-related posts than they do for things that they post on their own on other topics. Sure. And the uh, survey says about 30% of us who have pets follow famous animals online, and that is really true, or you follow animals who have become famous just because they're online. I follow Grouchy Cat. Is that his name? Grumpy, Grumpy. Cat? I follow Grumpy, Grumpy Cat. Grumpy Cat. Yep. I follow, um, I, I used to follow Champ Waring, but then he passed away, but he was a really neat, it was a rescue dog who became an anti-bullying dog. Oh yeah, I, I remember that. Yeah. Griffin the Bulldog, there's a lot of, oh, um, uh, wait, there's one, um, <laughs> Ricardo, is it Ricardo? It, and he's a big Great Dane kind of dog. There's there's so many cool dogs online. I just love them. Uh, and they post human videos. Did you know that? The dogs will post it. Never mind. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mickey and the Padded Bum Crew. That's another there one of my go. favorites. Cause, yeah, because all the dogs wear diapers. and But they're so funny. Anyway. Check them out. Have fun. I'm Lori Brooks, and you can get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Doctors Foster and Smith Pet Pharmacy. With everyday low prices on products like Quellin and Rimadil delivered right to your door with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Learn more at FosterAndSmith.com. Rough crowd. It gives me great honor to present to you the dog father, Joey Volani. How you doing today? I'm doing wonderful. How are you? Couldn't be better. Couldn't be better. Enough small talk. What's uh, what's on the docket? So, you know what? The new, the new trend here is aromatherapy and aromatherapy shampoos for your pet. So, what I want to talk about is, I mean, do they actually work or is it just a fad? <laughs> to be quite honest with you, the aromatherapy, when used in its pure sense, like when you get the essential oil and you're putting it in the diffuser um, for your pets, it actually works um, very well, to be quite honest with you. Um, I've seen it, and I've seen it um, with my own pets. I have one of my dogs that can't deal with thunderstorms all that well. And, really? Um, yeah, can't deal with thunderstorms. And, you know, we got the thunder jacket and all, which I could be honest with you, it, it did make a big difference. But um, at one of the shows that I attended, they talked about, um, you know, why don't you try it? And it's a mixture of essential oils. I don't know exactly what the ratio and, and what it is. But they sell it all pre-mixed, and you use that, and it actually made a difference. So that being said, what they try to do is duplicate these things in some of the pet shampoos that you now see on the shelves. We've done tests with um, three of the um, the top ones out there. And to, to be quite honest with you, um, I haven't seen much of a difference. Um, after talking to a lot of the um, chemists that actually make the products, what they're saying is if the um, product doesn't have the true form of essential oil in it, meaning 100%, it's not going to have the effect that you want it to. 
And then the other thing with a lot of these pet shampoos, you are diluting them on top of it. So to be honest with you, if you're going to buy them, I would buy them just because you like the smell, you like the way they work, and that sort of thing. I wouldn't put too much science behind it of actually correcting the problem with your pet. But some of them smell great, so I mean, I just buy them just for that reason. Hey, you know what? I'm a nurse, and so I was a couple of years ago reading up on they were using essential oils on patients in hospitals. And they said that studies actually proved that the first or second time they used them, they worked really well, but the efficacy after that was a little less each time. You know what? We I haven't noticed that, um, but that's quite interesting because I will look further into it. It's something that we have not noticed um, greatly um, yet, so I can't say if um, if that is true or if it's not in the pet industry. But um, you give me something to look into for my next tip of the week, so that's good. You you, you gave me some insight there of what I can look into. Yeah, I wonder <laughs> if it you know you build up a tolerance to it. Well, the, what I what I w- thought was that this plays on the pleasure centers of the brain, so it's it's actually that's that's why it's calming calming. Because um, it's almost like um, works as a as a as a drug, where it actually it stimulates. It's a calming feeling. So I I don't know. I mean, possibly there are some good essential oils out there. I used um, Young Living essential oils, and they are really high quality. And I started using that's them actually in the what 80s. I use. Really? Yeah, it's good stuff, huh? Yeah, it's great. It's what really is it you is good used? Stuff. Young Living it's called, oils, and I be- yeah, why and I believe that they have a pet line. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Dogs or cats, horse or emu, animals are people too. They're fighting over a ferret at a San Antonio university. Sarah Sevick asked the Justice Department to find Our Lady of the Lake University in violation of the Americans with Disabilities Act because they won't let her keep Lily, her service ferret, on campus. The school doesn't allow ferrets, but Sarah says her ferret is much more than a furry friend. 19-year-old Sarah suffers from panic attacks, and before getting Lily the ferret, Sarah was unable to keep a job and had to drop out of college. Lily is a registered service ferret that helps Sarah focus on something other than panicking. The school is afraid the ferret might bite another student, and the Justice Department is now reviewing the case. I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio. Animals are people too. Animal Radio. Hey folks, this is Jackson Galaxy. You're listening to Animal Radio. Please do everyone a favor, stay or neuter your animals today. For over a decade, Viagen has been the leading provider of genetic preservation and cloning services of prized livestock with thousands of satisfied clients. Now announcing Viagen Pets, providing genetic preservation and cloning services to pet parents. Consider preserving the genes of your pet to extend the special bond you share with them. Get your free information kit and special offer for Animal Radio listeners at www.viagenpets.com. That's V-I-A-G-E-N-Pets.com. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's Animal Radio celebrating the connection with our pets. Here's the toll-free number, 1-866-405-8405. We'd love to hear from you today. Uh, with us right now, Doc Halligan from the Lucy Pet Foundation. Doc, i got to tell you, you know that every day I take my fleet home <laughs> and I put it through... 
<laughs> not only myself, but through all of the cats. Several times Several a times. Day. Yes. And I can oh. declare some cats flea free. They're hard to get rid of. But I have one cat, Nike the Studio Cat. Where is he? Is he around here? No, no he's, he's not, not around here right studio, now. Because yeah. I, I don't want him to hear me talking about him like <laughs> this. But he gets one bite and his whole body breaks out. Certain fleas, not all fleas, have a protein in their saliva that when they bite the dog or cat, put it in the pet pet's skin. And the animals have an allergic reaction to that protein. Mm. But it is not in every flea saliva. So Nike is allergic to that protein in the flea saliva. Some animals are not. I have seen cats come in and dogs completely infested and hardly scratching. And then, like you said, like your Nike, you've got one flea on one animal and they're going berserk. When cats come into your office and dogs too, I know that most of the cases are dermatitis cases, skin cases. Mm -hmm. Is the flea to blame for a lot of these? Yes, the flea is to blame for half of the skin problems that we see in Southern California. And do the owners say, no, they don't have any fleas when they bring them in? Absolutely. They swear there's no fleas. (laughs) Yes. And all we do is, like you said, we either tip them on their back, and then there they are in the tummy, or we use the flea comb at the base of the tail, Mm. and we find, sure enough. My vet put a paper towel down one time and went through the comb, and I could see all of it fall on the paper towel when I could have swore. The flea dirt, yes. And then he wet it, and it turned red, and... Well, and you know, at the end of the world, there'll be fleas and cockroaches. <laughs> we'll all be dead, but the, because I try to tell clients, fleas are, they have the life cycle of a butterfly. So they have egg, larvae, pupae, adult, just like a butterfly. And what people don't understand that if it gets to the pupa stage, there's nothing that will kill that. Nothing. So what you have to do is people just, you see the adult flea, that's only 2% of the population. The majority is in egg larvae and pupae. On, on my cats? 2 to 5% are, on on the, are the, in the adult phase. Yes. Yeah. So what happens is most of them are in all the other stages, and that's what people don't realize. So they lay the eggs on the animal, which Ooh. then fall into the ground, okay. okay? And then they turn into larvae, and then those larvae turn into pupae, which you can't kill, okay? So you got to kill adult, you got to kill egg, you got to kill larvae, or mm. you're not fighting the battle. I'm, I'm scratching and itching right now. You know, people wait until they see an adult flea before they do flea control. If you live in Southern California, you need to do it all year round. And isn't that like and the same for Florida, though, too? Yes. Okay, well, this Honestly. is where I come in, okay, because I had some of that uh, topical spot on that you put on their neck. Okay. And I was opening it, and a little bit just spilled on my keyboard, and it made a hole on the key. <laughs> Where the the little drop went, and I'm thinking, Ugh. if it could eat away at that key, what's it what's it doing to my yeah. animals? And obviously, well, you need something uh, strong for these fleas that won't die. But well, so it's a very good point. Not all topical are alike. And really? Okay. In fact, oh no, how? Oh my gosh! I thought Look they were all the, the same ingredients. ingredients. No. Okay. No. See, people, we, we could talk about this all day long, and it's so frustrating. You've got to read the ingredient, the active ingredient, 
That's why cats die because some of those topical spot-ons are permethrins, which are toxic to cats. So the most important thing you can do is read the active ingredient so you know what it is. There are some oral medicines that have, have killed animals. The, the oral are, are, can be more dangerous than the topical. Really? Most of the topicals do not get into the bloodstream. They, they don't enter, so they're not systemic. Uh, I mean, when I was a shelter vet, I would put frontline or advantage on wee little kittens, you know, because fipronil, which is the active ingredient in frontline, is safe. It's safe for kittens. So, you know, you, you have to really get educated now. I, I don't know. Every, every week there's a new topical because it's, it's big money. Mm-hmm. And so the consumer, they look at the packaging and they all look alike and then they buy it. And m- a lot of the topicals don't work, but they're mimicking what the ones do work. So it's very important for you to get educated as a consumer. There are great over the counter topicals now. Like what? Because tell me. Tell me. Yeah, what's okay. the product I need to look well, for? What would you use on your animal? So I use Fipronil. I use Pet Armor. Okay. Pet Armor was the very first generic Fipronil on the market. Frontline lost their patent, and the Frontline regular was just Fipronil. Frontline Plus had S-Methoprene, which also did the insect regulator killed egg and larvae. Uh, but if you just use an adulticide all year round, you don't have to worry. If you're a person that's not going to do it regularly, then you should use something that also kills the egg and larvae. So Fipronil is very, very safe. Your vet is the best place to start. Most vets are educated on it. And have your vet help coach you on this. So much information here. I wanted to ask you about ticks. We've run out of time, so let's do that next week. Can we do that? Yes, I'd love to talk about ticks. Okay, <laughs> tick talk next week. Doc Halligan from the Lucy okay. Pet Foundation. Check it out at lucypetfoundation.org. If you need a fix during the week, head on over to animalradio.com and be sure to download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android and BlackBerry. Have yourself a great week. Bye. Bye-bye. Farewell, friends. This is Animal Radio Network.